This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Seb here, and this is Teachers Talk Radio live from London. Today on the show, we're going to be looking at test enhanced learning. How can we make quizzes and self-testing rigorous for students without putting too much pressure on them? Do you use the phrase low stakes testing or do you have a problem with it? We'll find out this and a lot more on today's show, so don't go away. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good afternoon. That fade out there seemed to take slightly longer than uh, usual. Maybe my imagination. Uh, How is everybody doing today? Is a bank holiday Monday. They only come around a few times a year, but they are certainly special. Uh, We normally involve a little bit more uh, sunshine down in London today. I don't know where you guys are listening from. Uh, Maybe you're listening uh, somewhere else in London or in England or in the UK or even abroad. It's a very murky night tonight, a little bit dark and strange actually feels like it's going to be a storm or a rain bit muggy one of those ones you know but i don't mind a bit of rain tonight because i'm snuggled in my uh my abode ready to give you a fantastic hour and a half uh show i hope you can hear me loud and clear uh today's show we've got a lot of different things lined up it's a bank holiday bumper edition uh i like to call it and um, we're going to be talking about test enhanced learning uh, basically retrieval practice, but we're going to, retrieval practice is such a big uh, topic, big area, especially in the last few years, it's become a huge, huge uh, um, fad, I suppose people would call it, but it's not a fad because it's based on, it's actually based on proper research, we know works, but it has become more and more, it's grown into a huge thing. So we're going to, we're not going to just talk about retrieval practice in general. Uh, there's pl- plenty of other shows on podcasts that have done that, I'm sure. And we're going to be zooming in a bit on in particular, uh, test-enhanced learning. So we're looking at like a a desirable difficulty, which is getting students to uh, self-test and peer-test each other um, and be tested by yourselves in a quizzing kind of format um, and making that rigorous. Uh, And one of the phrases we're going to talk about a little bit about is low-stakes tests. So I've always seen that as a a phrase, a catch-all phrase, which kind of means any sort of quiz or any test you do with students that is not an exam, is not a summative, uh, you're not going to report back on it. Um, you are going to just use it for your own teaching. You know, you use it to help you uh, diagnose what kids know and what they don't. Um, but even low stakes tests, I know, is a bit of a loaded phrase because that makes it sound like it's not important. Uh, it makes it sound like um, it's low stakes. So we don't have to maybe make effort. We don't have to worry about it from a kid's point of view. Um, but actually what we're trying to do is use quizzing to help learning and actually as a tool for learning just as much as finding out what they know and what they don't know. Hopefully that makes sense. But I'm going to dig down deep more into that with my special guest today, Christian. Uh, Christian Still, uh, he's a teacher um, and works also in uh, research and in learning and in leadership and in lots of different uh, areas. And Christian's going to join me in a short while and we're going to talk to him uh, about his knowledge in this area. Um, because uh, we got in touch through Twitter 
um, in response actually to a tweet that Kate Jones had put out a while back uh, where Kate had summarised um, kind of the top 10 retrieval practice uh, activities that teachers could do. It was a very nice, simple tweet from Kate. She put 10 nice pictures on there and said, you know, has anyone else got anyone more they want to add to, to this list? And it was a pretty good list, to be fair. Um, but I, I did add to it, as did a few others, uh, looking more about um, things like peer quizzes, which I've used a lot. Uh, and one of my classics that I will do sometimes at the end of term or in a way to not as a filler, but sometimes a bit of fun, maybe if it is the end of a term, like a Christmas term is rather than writing that lesson off and just playing games, I might say to them, right. OK, everybody, every student, either on their own or in a pair, is going to make up five questions about the topic we've covered this term or maybe just two or three questions if they're a bit more. Uh, if it's a bit more liability students that you know they're going to find that hard they can use their books they can go back through and look what they've been learning about to remind them uh, and obviously some of those brighter students will enjoy making a particularly t difficult challenging question they think no one knows the answer to uh, so that's quite fun and then what you can do with that i find is you do that for you know half the lesson uh, which isn't too long if you're teaching hour long lessons um and then every kid will come up with at least two or three you will get some repetition, of course, uh, but then what you what you then want to do is get all those questions uh, together. So you can either collect in all their books or you can get them to write it on paper and then collect them all in. And then what I do is I just kind of I give them five minutes breather time just to have a chat amongst themselves while I just quickly collate it. And then maybe do at least well, you don't have to do all of them. You'd be there all day, but let's say 20, 20, 30 question quiz. And, and they feel ownership because they've created it. Uh, it's their ideas. It's like a pub quiz, effectively. Um, but really what they're doing is retrieving knowledge, making the quiz, uh, which is the bit they find the fun part. And they don't actually realise that technically they're revising just making the quiz as much as doing it themselves. So that's just my little tip. One of the ones I like to use, peer tuition. But my guest, Christian, uh, and myself will be talking a bit more detail about what test-enhanced learning actually means uh, what are the implications? And Christian's hopefully going to uh, give us some practical strategies as well uh, that we can use with students. Um, but before we get to that, um, we've got a lot to get through. That's why I'm not I'm not letting up at all today. Um, it's a bank holiday. I've had a few weeks off for holidays for summer, so I haven't done a show for a while. So I kind of feel like I'm supercharged, ready today to hit you with all guns blazing. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Remember, at any point. You can message me uh, a couple of messages from uh, from Christian, my guest, to show me that he's listening in. That's great. So hello to you. Um, but you can message me in the chat or you can at any point click call in and I'll, you'll be connected directly to me. If you want to unpick anything that we discussed today, uh, either before or after I speak to Christian. But talking of summer, uh, I don't know where anybody went. I went to France, amongst other places in the UK. France seems to be quite a popular teacher destination. Uh, but again, get in touch. Did you have a staycation uh, or did you actually make the most of the first summer? We've been able to actually fly and go abroad and get out of the UK for a bit, which I'm sure a lot of people did this summer uh, based on how quiet London was. So, um, yeah, let, let us know where you went and what you got up to. Always nice to know what people have been doing. So on top of talking about uh, some retrieval practice uh, techniques, also what I wanted to do, which is quite a fun thing, as it's a bank holiday, and I know many many of you will be 
perhaps not feeling dread is the wrong word, but perhaps it's that feeling that we get as teachers now where the summer's coming to an end. You've made, you've gone in maybe for results day. Uh, you're starting to feel like, oh, it's coming to an end. We get to the end of August. This bank holiday is kind of always that one for me. I feel like once this one's done, um, you're kind of really on the edge of going back to school. I'm sure most people will have some sort of inset days, uh, training days uh, in the next week. I know I've got a couple uh, at my new school, uh, which I'm joining in September. So I'm very excited to start a new journey there. Um, And yeah, I know it's that kind of, we're in that zone, aren't we, at the moment between are my holidays really over and am I going back to work? And we're kind of kidding ourselves that um, they're not over when they kind of nearly are. But I, I'm not, I don't mean that in a horrible way because, you know, we're very blessed and privileged to teach in this profession. And we do get very, very good holidays that we deserve. Um, but it's always a bit of a funny feeling, isn't it? Teachers, oh, my holiday's over. I've got to go back. Um but I think we all, most of us will say once we get back into it, we we enjoy it. It's just uh, come the end of this seven week term, everyone is pretty much exhausted. But hopefully we're all feeling positive. Uh, let me know again, also using the chat or call in. Let me know what your your hopes and uh, fears are, because we might have a lot of people listening who are they're going into new roles, new leadership roles. Uh, maybe you're an ECT, maybe you're a trainee or maybe you're a, uh, someone who's just about to get going with their teaching maybe it's the first time you've had your own classes uh or you know any anything like that so people might be out there feeling a little bit anxious so do get in touch i'm sure we can make you feel um a bit more secure and calm about it all and and uh i'm sure it'll all be fine for everyone it's just that a natural feeling even i get it after 20 years of teaching i still get that it's not a fear i don't know how to describe it i suppose it's like getting back on a bike after a while you feel like can i do it kind of remember how to do it um but it all come it should all come flowing back and i hope that you're all at good schools and you've got great teams around you as well so for a bit of fun i found uh this online so i'm not going to take the credit for this um this is by the secret teacher i found this online but i think it's quite a fun thing for us to do today so i'm going to go through the a to z of going back to school and i'm going to do that in little chunks so i'm going to do four parts uh and i'll give you the first part in a moment uh, and then we'll obviously have a little chat and um, then I'll speak to Christian um, and then I'll keep I'll keep going through the show. So by the end of the show, you'll have the whole A to Z of back to school because I found this and I thought it was absolutely genius, to be fair, um, because it does cover most of the things that we're going through. So let's do we're going to do A to G um, and see how we get with them. So and this is not obviously you can have your own ones. You might want to text in or message in your own, what you think these letters could stand for. Um, this is not a, uh, this is not the be all and end all, but I think this is quite a good list. So A is for apprehensive, which exactly is what we've just been talking about. Um, that kind of normal feeling of being a bit apprehensive about going back or whether you're going back to somewhere new or like myself. So I've been teaching a long time, but going to a new school is has a certain level of apprehension about starting again and establishing myself again. Uh, so that's that's apprehensive. B is for books. So students obviously should have books. Parents need to buy books. Teachers are going to have books to buy. You might have pedagogy books, exercise books, textbooks. Uh, even in this digital age, we can't get away from a good book. Uh, C is for classroom. So this is your home away from home, uh, the place that you're going to spend most of your time. 
Uh, and I don't know what it's like if you're a normal, normal subject. So if you teach maths, perhaps, or English, you may have your own classroom uh, or humanities or science. You might have your own room and you can decorate it. And maybe a lot of people I've seen on Twitter have already done that. They've gone in the summer. They've spent a bit of time setting their room up. Again, nothing wrong with that. I don't think people should be uh, you know, told that that's the wrong thing to do and at all. If that's what you want to do, I've gone in and sorted my office out. What's the difference? Um, but as a drama teacher, that's not always easy to do because we're quite often, same with PE probably, we're often teaching in three or four different spaces. We don't necessarily have a, uh, displays. We don't necessarily have our own set room. So that can be a bit of a challenge, but your classroom is going to be your, your domain. And you must, in terms of behavior management, you just make sure you own that space and it is your, your zone. Um, D is for diary. So this could be planner. Um, there's been a lot of ch Twitter chat about this over the summer, quite quite crazy, really. But a lot of people moving to electronic diaries, electronic planners, using apps and software to help them organise. Uh, for me, I think I will still always need a pen and paper planner just to summarise when meetings are and what lessons I've got that day. I usually just put like one sentence. It will be like who the class is. That's you know, excuse me, say A A, and I might just put lesson two and the title just to remind myself. Um, what lessons I'm doing. And I, I've done that really since I was a trainee because I found even as a trainee, if you teach a lot of key stage three and let's say you've got four year nine classes, especially at first till you know them, trying to distinguish between 9A, 9B, 9C, 9D is not easy. So I used to just write down a couple of little notes, really, really short and small, straight after the lesson, like remember keep an eye on that kid or wow, that, that, that student's really, really super duper in my lesson, I need to keep fanning the flames, just little things. So I'd say, oh, when I'd see 9A, it wasn't an abstract concept. It would be like, oh, that's that class with, you know, Billy and Susie and uh, Amar in it, you know, just just to help me to think, right, that that's that class. That's just another little tip for me there. You can take it or you can leave it, can't you really? Um, e is for examinations. So hopefully now we've got a bit of a break from exams. We've all just come through a crazy couple of years with tags and cags and this year was obviously a normal examination period for most subjects i know some topics were taken out um but exams now we don't really need to worry about probably till well if you're in secondary you don't have to worry about them till mocks probably at christmas for year 11 or mocks for year 13 um primary school I'm not sure what why how your examinations work f is for friday that friday feeling i love this one so you lose your Friday feeling, don't you, in the summer? Because every day is a Friday. I've got friends who are not teachers and they are always, um, they just love it. They're, we always use this phrase, oh, can't come out, you know, on a school night, even though they're, you know, in their 40s and they work in an office. But it is that thing of, you know, going out, having a few drinks or whatever you want to do on a, on a midweek night when you've got to get up for work. Um, and so obviously in the holidays, we don't have that. We have weeks and weeks of not having that Friday feeling which is a bit sad. Um, but then what you do get as a bonus is you don't get that Sunday night, you know, planning or Sunday night marking or Sunday night, oh, I've got to go back in tomorrow and I'm not ready enough and, and I've had a weekend. So it's a bit of a payoff, but we haven't had a Friday feeling. We've not had it for a while. Um, I know this Sunday coming will be the Sunday where, I'll be, where most people will be feeling that kind of nervous apprehension because most kids probably will be back by then and you'll have had your training days. Um, but the Friday feeling, I'm not going to get that this week, but definitely a week Friday will be 
a big one for sure. That'll be the first week of proper teaching out of the way. And that leaves us with G. And so to just to bring on to G, this is a bit of a weird one. Not sure I love this one as much. So maybe you've got a better suggestion. If you've got a better suggestion for G, we're looking at the A to Z of going back to school because that's on everybody's lips. Um, but G, as suggested by the secret teacher, is gone. And what he means, I think, or this person, whoever this is, might be a woman, I don't know, the secret teacher, um, they've said gone, as in gone to a match, gone to a play, gone to an exhibition, uh, gone to something, gone to an extracurricular event, um, which we've had to really reduce, haven't we, in the last couple of years. So hopefully that means this September there's lots of clubs uh, and lots of trips and all sorts of things going on. Uh, for when you go back so that's a to g i hope you enjoyed that um i'm going to keep that coming we'll do h to m um a little bit later on um we're going to be speaking as i said to christian uh who oh, actually just let's put a message in the chat so thanks christian picking up on the g one because i wasn't really that happy he said gratitude uh thanking those people that make teaching a little easier e.g ta site staff yes and i would agree office staff etc uh, the, the, the guy at my old school used to do the photocopy and I always used to buy him a bottle of wine at Christmas and and, and give him a car because I was so grateful for the, all, the, all the work he, he saved me, uh, just creating so many resources. So gratitude. Thank you for that. That is a, a really good suggestion. I like that one. Uh, I think that fits in nicer. Um, so what we're going to do, we're going to have a quick news break. Um, and then after the news, um, we will be uh, getting in touch with Christian. And we're going to be talking about test enhanced learning, uh, which effectively really we're boiling it down to uh, how you get students to use uh, quizzes and, and short, short tests to help them remember things, retrieve things, but also to help the actual act of learning by creating the, the quizzes themselves. Um, and that's what self-testing ultimately is. But Christian is a bit of a specialist in this area. So he's going to be giving us his... Um, his thoughts on what these things were, the problems with low stakes tests as a phrase um, and the kind of self-regulation uh, aspect of getting kids checking what they know and how much that actually helps us to learn as um, as teachers and as students about what we know and what we don't know. So that's what we're going to be doing. Um, we're going to be chatting to Christian about that very, very shortly. Uh, we're going to have a quick news break. So don't go away. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I continue with my series on home connection and getting the best performance. The question today is wired or wireless connection. Which is best? In the past, the wired connection was considered the fastest and this would be the end of the episode. 
However, modern wireless speeds are comparable with a wired connection. So what factors affect performance? The first factor to consider is can you actually connect via a wire? Some devices don't have an Ethernet or compatible port to have a wired connection. Being hardwired allows a more stable connection. You're not relying on high frequency waves to transmit your data and waves are susceptible to interference in the shape of distance from the transmitter receiver in human language, your hub. Then there are walls, furniture, other devices, basically anything that gets in the way. So the first tip is, if possible, use a wired connection. At home though, this is easier said than done. You need to be reasonably close to your home hub as this is where the ports are and sometimes that's not a great place to work. If you are after a wired connection away from your hub, then take a look at using power line adapters. These are two plugs that use your existing home electric wiring to create a virtual wired connection to anywhere in the building that has a plug socket. They are relatively cheap and some can also be used as wireless extenders, allowing you to create a better Wi-Fi coverage in dark spots in your home. At around 30 to 50 pounds, it's a relatively cheap and aesthetically pleasing option compared to running cables around your home. Meshing is the next solution to improve coverage. More recently, homes have been adopting the mesh system. Meshing is linking wireless access points together to extend their range. All have the same sign-in so you can seamlessly move from one to the other with uninterrupted connection. Starting at around £80, it's a more expensive option, but if you only have devices that use Wi-Fi, this might be the answer for you. With most home networks, after bandwidth availability, interference is your next enemy. Always try to place your home hub in the most central place if the telephone sockets allow, otherwise consider power line adapters or meshing. Most modern internet providers give you options to buy these devices from them. This will guarantee it works for your network, but be aware this will come at a higher price tag. If this has given you food for thought, I'd love to hear from you. Why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022? Follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This is Teachers Talk Radio News GCSE special. With many young people celebrating their GCSE results on Thursday the 25th of August, a range of both local and national media outlets have carried stories of success. Schools Week have provided a clear analysis of some of the trends as pupils received grades via examinations for the first time since 2019. The main headline figures have dropped from those achieved in 2021 when pupils' grades were awarded based on teacher assessment, but many were up when compared to 2019 figures. The main headlines for pupils in England include the Grade 5 or above pass rate at 60.3%, which is up from 53.5% in 2019, with Grade 4s improving from 69.9% to 75.3%. The number of pupils achieving top Grade 9s sits at 6.8%, but is much higher than the 4.7% in 2019. 
In terms of subjects, English has seen a bigger drop in top grades than maths on 2021 levels, although both subjects still outperform 2019 grades. There were also nearly three times more straight nines since the last exams, with 2,193 students achieving all grade nines compared to just 837 in 2019. Over two thirds of these students were girls, sparking some additional reporting on the gender gap in terms of attainment. 13 students in England achieved grade nines in 12 or more GCSEs. One of the biggest stories, however, has been the attainment gap between North and South. In the northeast of England, the proportion of pupils achieving top grades of sevens or above was 22.4% compared to 32.6% in London. Whilst in the West Midlands, a fifth of students achieved top grades compared with one third of London students, according to the website Birmingham World. This data has prompted a number of stories focusing on school funding and what some view as the disproportionate effects of the pandemic on some areas. The director of Schools North East, Chris Saraga, called for an urgent recovery plan which recognised the different needs of different areas, whilst also highlighting the work done by the region's students and teachers in what he called unprecedented circumstances. Meanwhile, Ofqual Chief Joe Saxton, speaking to the TES magazine, has commented on the attempt to return to normal assessment. In the article, she notes that the advanced information issued by exam boards to help students sitting this summer's exams may not have been helpful in practice. Speaking to school leaders at the Confederation of School Trusts conference, she stated that it gave pupils just one other thing to think about. Dr Saxton also explored how she expects aspects such as grading scales to evolve in the future. The core points of the speech included addressing disadvantage, described as a key part of her job, with examples of maths and MFL questions being accessible to all. She also described the summer 2022 exam grading as one of the most generous in history, as Ofqual did not want to return to 2019 grading levels in one fell swoop. Dr Saxton acknowledged that exams would be changing over the coming years, highlighting that she believes it is a case of when, not if, we move towards online assessment, but added that reform must not throw out babies with bathwater and that handwriting is here to stay. And finally, exam board AQA continues to face industrial action from employees who are part of the union Unison. The strikes are currently in their fourth period of industrial action as a dispute over pay and threats of fire and rehire continue, according to union representatives. The action coincides with many of those who marked exams for the board this year taking to social media to complain of delayed and missing payments and some claims of pupils not receiving marks at all. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio GCSE News Special with Joe Fox. Right, so uh, welcome back. Welcome back. That was the uh, end of our news break. Um, before we get into the uh, nitty gritty of uh, test enhanced learning, we're just going to go over the next section from my back to school uh, A to Z. So we're up to I, uh, H, sorry. So H, we're going to go for uh, hungry. Um, and this is a kind of a bit of a sad one, really, but we've got to expect a lot of children are going to be coming back to school, probably more hungry than ever before. Um, we've got obviously a big crisis at the moment uh, with food banks, with the cost of living crisis, with the cost of food in general. Um, so it isn't just about uh, those vulnerable students or those people, premium students. There may well be a lot of kids coming back hungry. 
so keep an eye on that and do what you can. Um, and also on top of that, hungry, I would also say if you're a person like me that gets hangry um, quite easily, I know that for myself, one of my biggest behavior management tips that I, I could give is make sure you've, you know, you're not overly hungry. Now, that is not to sound patronizing. And there may be people who think, what are you on about? But for me personally, I know that when I had a few challenging classes, uh, year nine classes, the period before lunch, so that might be period four, period five, whatever you want to call it. But that lesson just before lunch is was always critical because the students were quite tetchy and quite hungry and ready for a break. Um, I'm sure a lot of you would agree that, that is probably one of the toughest periods to teach. Um, but also for myself, as an as a human, <laughs> I would also be probably very, very hungry at that point because I may well have not eaten at break time, not had a big breakfast. And by that point, I've been teaching for four hours and I've been up, uh, you know, a long time. So one of the biggest things I did towards the later years of my career was to always make sure I had things like bananas, uh, cereal bars, um, just really, really super quick uh, things you could grab that um, I didn't have to heat up, I didn't have to cook, weren't too uh, unhealthy, really, that I could just quickly grab because it would just keep the edge off. It wouldn't fill me up but it would keep the edge off. Um, that's probably a little bit too much insight into my personality for a bank holiday. But anyway, uh, I is for inclusion. Um, basically, obviously, we've all got to do that. We've all got a responsibility to make sure every uh, child as much as possible is included. It's become a buzzword, but it's not really a buzzword um, because just making sure everybody has the same equality and equity in the, the education they receive, um, whatever their background, whatever their situation, physically, mentally, um, in terms of finance, whatever. Um, J is for justice, um, according to the A to Z that I'm using, but you may have your own one. So please uh, chip in, send me a message if you've got your own J. This has all got to be to do with back to school. Um, keeping it fair, making making it sure that um, kids, you, you know, you're fair and consistent in your behavior because they all, everybody wants to feel like they're being listened to um, and make sure you treat people fairly. Uh, K is knowledge. Um, obviously, knowledge is what we do. That is our bread and butter, isn't it? As teachers, that's what we're trying to do. Um, but we can't go on to the days where we can just literally impart knowledge on people and students take it away and then they do a test and that's the end of it. We can't teach like that anymore, uh, which we shouldn't have done anyway. Um, but yeah, how we get students to learn, understand, apply and remember knowledge is, is the big one, isn't it? Um, so any anybody who's got any tips for that, uh, let us know. Uh, we're, we're always uh, open to suggestions, <laughs> I'm sure. L is for learning. So that kind of links quite nicely to that. Learning is what we, we all do as teachers. We're always lifelong learning. Uh, students, it's all about learning. And that might be in a lot of different ways. It could be through fun activities. It could be through uh, sitting and, and doing group work. It could be something more academic. It could be some more solo work, some independent work. Uh, it could be a quiz, could be an activity, could be anything, couldn't it? But as long as they're learning, as long as they're going out, I always think with something new or something consolidated that they were unsure of before uh, or some new knowledge or some new, you know, from when they come in your lesson, then you're, you're on a winner there. But quite hard to measure. Um, and that leads us with M. So just before we speak to Christian, we'll do M. And then I know that we're halfway through our alphabet of back to school. M is motivation. So this is an essential one for students 
uh, but also for us, um, what motivates you? Uh, are you career driven? Um, are you just someone who, you know, you're motivated by getting and making a difference and you just want to make sure your students have the best opportunities? Uh, a lot of students will do better if they are motivated. Um, getting them to be motivated in your lesson isn't always easy, uh, particularly if they don't like your subject, perhaps. But I think if you can get that in motivation, that kind of that buzz, um, then that will massively affect performance levels. Um and getting a motivating the class just to take part in the activity or motivating students just to put the hand up and, and contribute in that in itself uh, is tricky. Right, I'm just going to take a call from Emmy because I know he does want to call in. But um, Emmy, if you call in just after I've spoken to my guest, that would be great. I'd love to hear from you. Emmy's in Nigeria um, and he says he wants to be part of the podcast. That's no problem, Emmy. But I'm just about to speak to my, my guest uh, Christian, who is going to call in. So I'm happy to talk to you, Emmy, if you want to uh, call in. So I'll speak to Christian, Emmy. Um, and then if you still want to call in, um, press the call in button uh, a little bit later and we should be good to go. So I just saw uh, Christian calling in now. Not sure what happened. He disappeared. Christian, are you there? Evening, Seb. Oh, good evening. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Thanks for the invitation to join this evening. You're absolutely welcome. Appreciate you giving up your time. Uh, when when are you due back to, to school, Christian? We've got a little stay of execution until Thursday, so a couple of inset days, and then obviously working students back. Nice, nice. Okay, so you're not quite into the the full whack yet. Uh, we've done a couple of days, you know, obviously back in for results and yeah, uh, yeah. opportunity to get the senior team together, um, and then of course yeah. uh, it's not just uh, the the. Uh, uh, work school life it's obviously uh, children going back to school too so yeah, getting them yeah. ready <laughs> that is that's another challenge if you're a parent on top of everything else isn't it i spent all of yesterday trying to get school uniforms sorted out so that was a challenge in itself um right great whereabouts are you from? are you in southampton christian or that's right seb that? yeah no no that's right sunny southampton on the south coast here so come on you saints lovely lovely, lovely. okay great well just before we get stuck in i know we've got a lot of sort of some quite highbrow questions to go into um, in terms of this is, this is a big area. Um, but I know that it's also so big that I don't want the listeners to be uh, confused which angle we're coming from. So before we do that, just give us a bit of context about um, your background in teaching, your subject and, and how you've got into this field of expertise, if you don't mind. No, oh, it'd be a pleasure to, Seb. So, um worked my way up uh, up that slippery pole to uh, head teacher and as my son was joining secondary school we made uh, the opportunity to go over to the Middle East and it wasn't uh, what we had hoped and we literally raced back um, to get Harry back into school um, for the September and uh, it was important to be working and I went back from head teacher to to the classroom so I spent two years at Cantel School fantastic school great colleagues strong leadership um, and definitely uh, a good handle on their why but the students um, I was teaching like a lot of the students you encounter um, we were looking to build their capital um, in and around English and we needed to find a way to do that quicker uh, and we needed it to, to hang around we needed the the learning to have a bit more durability and we started yeah, to yeah. investigate um, at the time um, it was pretty much testing it morphed into retrieval practice and it's made its back way to um, 
test enhanced learning quizzing but yeah, you know yeah. there are that's one of the things with this area said there's lots of different researchers carving out yeah, a professional yeah. name for themselves and we've got lots of names for very very similar things yeah and i totally agree with that i i did a um a certificate in evidence-informed practice uh, mm-hmm. from uh, i can't remember who who even organized that now but I, I did that quite recently and again there was so much stuff in this area it was unbelievable um and i and i think people can probably feel a bit overloaded with it all i mean if you just even look at cognitive load theory mm-hmm. uh, on its own you know it's a it's quite sort of simple in some ways isn't it it's quite ob- obvious <laughs> what the me- the messages are obvious i think I, you know it's like one yeah. of the things you know you could say give an analogy of you know human beings can only, can only remember a couple of things at once etc people get that but the the wealth of evident research and you know projects about it and books about it. it's just it's mind-numbing isn't it yeah look you're you're right and and there's actually a nice little connection between uh, cognitive load theory and personalized quizzing which we might touch on later there's yeah. a couple of people that are looking at the, where those two areas overlap i think the main thing is is that teachers understand the principles um, that sit alongside retrieval practice and professor agarwell is doing a great job in uh, emphasizing that quizzing is is learning or quizzing as learning yeah. whereas of course i think her issue with testing is it is it feels terminal and yeah. i suppose the the most important thing out of this conversation Sheb, is that we share with colleagues that testing can actually start right at the beginning actually before you even taught anything there's lots yeah. of work um supporting um let's let's use the word testing in place of uh, quizzing and tested in place of testing but yeah, actually yeah. Even quizzing of material that, as teachers, we haven't taught yet, pays huge dividends. So quiz, yeah, quiz before yeah. you, quiz before you've taught it, quiz whilst you're teaching it, and quiz at the end to make sure they they've got a handle on it would be my my summary. No, I, I mean I can't agree with that more actually because I think for me a big bugbear of mine when I when I've seen it in in not working very well in some schools or in certain classrooms is the lack of. Um, it doesn't even have to be quizzing, but that lack of prior knowledge, lack of finding out that prior knowledge mm. uh, is such a game changer for me. And like you say, um, you know, I, I want to, I can't remember where it was, but I went to one of the course where I think it might have been Daniel William and he'd said about, you know, why don't you, t- you know, do the assessment in lesson one? Yeah. Uh, and I was like, what are you talking about? You know, and this seemed like such a crazy piece of advice. And um, and this was in a drama drama lesson, and I just thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll try it, and I and I did what I would normally do at the end, and they actually did 40 percent of what I was going to then about to teach them. So that's like, it. So I think yeah, it's like you say, you can use it, can't you? There. I think you, you know you've summarised some fantastic work by Graham Nuttall on the hidden yeah. lives of learners. You know, so fifty yeah. percent about what you're going to teach, somebody in the class already knows. It's yeah, just yeah. that it's spread across 30 children and those yeah, 30 yeah. children have all got a different 50 percent and yeah. you know ultimately the challenging the challenge of teaching isn't it um but certainly i would say that quizzing in the outset is as much for the teacher as it is for the learner totally totally great. Great. i think this I is think this is one this of the one things of the... we want to unpick today isn't it how much to get away people away from seeing it as like a like you say a low stakes test or some form of you know, or we're just going to do this just to tick a box or get a number or find it. Mm. We don't really mean that. What we're talking about, I hope we're on the same page, is we're talking about as a diagnostic tool 
for you to find out what they've what they've learned or what they where the gaps are as much as for the student to self-regulate and you know metacognitively understand oh i don't know much about this etc do, do you know what i mean it's it's a two-way it's, street isn't it it's all of those okay that's a really nice summary and of course seb you'll have different experiences and and uh, expertise coming from a drama environment where we might not be sat down at the desks and your retrieval is going to look very different from yeah let's say a science teacher you know just because the physical environment is different and of course you know the you know researchers aren't necessarily going to uh take into account that you know the desks are, go are not going to be out day in day out for drama you know so no, you're no. going to presumably be doing quite a lot of retrieval that we would refer to as being covert you know it's that thinking good news is covert retrieval is almost almost as good as the overt retrieval where children are writing things down so yeah, you know yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's just the suitability isn't it no it's totally agree and i think this is another it's good another point good you brought point you up brought. because I, i've seen a few things in the last couple of years about retrieval where you know it's people schools or, or people getting trying to get a one size fit all and this is where you get mm -hmm. that dangerous um you know kind of confusion creeping in isn't it and the, and the mutations uh where people have seen something or read something and it gets delivered slightly incorrectly and then it gets worse and worse. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that I would have to underline what you've said there is this whole point of every subject is different and to, to you know, not just think, okay, well, everybody's got to just bang a, a quiz at the beginning and then we've sorted it because I, I was beating myself up with drama thinking, oh, I'm going to have to do a test. And actually I thought, hang on a minute, we do a warm up and that warm up is retrieving you know, it might be more soft skills, but they're still skills. Um, it might not be written down, you know, answers, keywords, etc. But just doing a warm up or doing some sort of repetitive way of getting students involved in my lesson, I thought, actually, that is retrieval, isn't it? And every subject's so different. For sure. But if I come out of my comfort zone and move into perhaps your comfort zone yeah, and we go yeah. for something like, you know, an inspector calls and isn't it the opening stage directions that, you know, you open on to a certain stage and there's a pink glow. Yeah, don't yeah. don't quote me on that, but there's a specific reason that that director's made that decision and there'll be specific language that you would want your your pupils to use when explaining that one would presume. Yeah, 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 but if they yes. haven't if they haven't got that vocabulary then you know it's it they're not going to think about they're certainly not going to be thinking about that uh, scenario that i've just shared in the same way that you are or that no, the examiner no. is hoping them hoping that no. they will be so you know there is certainly a lot of declarative knowledge in drama that the children have to uh yeah, have no, to acquire I, I agree i think i think where it became attention was because that at gcse and above it was a lot easier it's a lot easier for me to put those things in Whereas mm. with Key Stage 3, I felt like, you know, I have one hour a week. That's it. That's my only hour I have with these students. And in year seven and eight, most students are not going to take drama. That's just a reality. You know, only a small percentage will take it. So mm. I didn't want to lose, you know, lose kind of that practical skills. And I guess that's what I'm saying is that I would, that inspector calls a perfect example. You've got to do that vocabulary. You've got to do the revisiting of the knowledge in order to build the building blocks of uh, you know, better results further down the line. But I just I just thought it was a really interesting one for me to think, mm, you know, if it's a year seven lesson or, or year eight scheme and we're going back over similar skills through mm. warm-ups, 
and we're doing that regularly and we're using the same vocab, then really we are kind of doing retrieval in that way. Uh, but it might not be as as specific as some other subjects like science, for example. Granted, I think I think you are, and I credit you for doing so. And and I think this is the point we're raising, isn't it? The different subjects, yeah, yeah. the different um, uh, environments that they're in, because you you know you're right. Interestingly, the retrieval models that we've explored take a little longer. Those routines take a little longer to establish themselves. Um, in subjects where they have less curriculum time and you know yeah, yeah. there's something about we want them to come and love drama and we don't really want sure, them to sure. come and be bogged down in in a quiz but certainly you know there'll be some key phrases that we want them to pick up and and revisit and, and of course if they come in and they're doing a warm-up with you and they're rehearsing and revisiting that information and you're saying spot on that's fantastic well done tim fantastic jane well done samira again you know that's so so important because of course you know when you move into the next phase they've now transitioned from their walk down the corridor they've come to drama they've had success um they're feeling good about themselves they're feeling smart about themselves in drama and i'm i'm pretty confident your lesson will um will carry that forward no no i agree and i think that's that's an another thing that kate jones mentions isn't it about well it's not just kate but i, I read it in her books but about the confidence of using retrieval you know, the confidence it builds of, of, you know, actually kids getting a buzz, a, a feeling of, of, you know, achievement from from doing that and from slowly getting better over time, isn't there? Well, that is probably the best segue into the, the phrase low, <laughs> low stakes testing, isn't it? Because yeah. it, it is one that you and I hear about a lot. Um, mm. For the record, the researchers um, don't talk about it a great deal. No. Um, there's a recent paper by um, Yang and colleagues that says, he, you know, and this is his job. This is what he does for a living. You know, couldn't find um, sufficient evidence to make a statement about whether it needs to be low stakes. Now, there are hundreds of teachers up and down the the land, from primary school through to sixth form college, from you know mm-hmm. special education to alternative provision. That you know, we know that. Uh, you know it does make a difference so just for the record though the actual outcomes it doesn't need to be um, low stakes and actually what I find is when you move into like phase b and children of trusting you as a teacher and they're trusting um, quizzing so they've gone through um, you explaining why you're doing it they're beginning to see results they're beginning to believe in it they want to quiz Um, I'll certainly share with you that if I don't quiz in my lessons they're, you know, there's anarchy. They, they, you know, they, they revolt. <laughs> and it's like mutiny. So they get to the point where they recognise it's one of those aspects that is really, um, really important to them. And at that point, which typically takes about 12 to 18 episodes experiences, actually they want to report their scores. Yeah. They want to test their answers. They want to know whether they got it right or wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and actually, they want to know what their peers are doing. So it's really, really interesting where we talk about low stakes. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that phrase probably came in as a catch-all, didn't it, for a, a lot of and any kind of anything that was done formatively in a lesson. For um, sure. 
as opposed to a summative test. And I think that's become this catch-all phrase. But it is very interesting when, when we spoke online before the show today um, about this. And I'd be interested to hear what other people think. If you're listening into this, let us know. Um, because you made me realise what a kind of loaded phrase it is. Because, you know, yes, it is a test, but low stakes does imply, well, it doesn't really matter. And, and then there is a risk of students seeing it as a, I mean, you wouldn't necessarily say to students, we're going to do a low stakes test, would you? I mean, it's a teacher phraser, isn't it? Rather than a uh, something you would say to kids, but it's still the fact remains of, if you say it as, oh, well, don't matter, it doesn't matter. It's just a little bit of fact. Then suddenly you're undoing what you're talking about, where your students are seeing the value in it and getting a lot out of it. Look, you know, one of the, the big issues with, with retreat or one of the, the points of reference, nobody quite knows exactly how the retrieval um, neurological processes are happening. No. And there are the, the largest camp, the most established camp, you know, will use phrases like effortful and desirable difficulties. Yeah. So it's quite yeah. interesting that we want a desirable, desirable difficulty, but we want it to be low stakes. So, yeah. you know, I don't think they're obvious bedfellows. Um, no. But, you know, there are other camps, there are other people that are looking at this that um, are throwing up some really interesting research. Um, and there's one particular researcher by the name of Dr. Eglinton who is saying, look, the one variable that we all have, and you've raised it already tonight, Seb, is time. Mm. And, and we mustn't forget that every time we get a wrong answer and we're having to explain or provide corrective feedback, that takes time. Massive, yeah. And he's arguing that, you know, the failure rate should be really low. So you're asking questions that you're expecting them to know almost and get them right. And you're keeping that failure rate super, super low because you can ask questions and you can actually travel closer to the content that's just out of reach in a series of correct answers. Yeah. And actually, it saves you time. So I'm going to speak up at um, Research Ed Surrey about... I'm going to I'm going to hit the hornet's nest and say that you know we've all been told how important feedback is. Yeah. Um, his research is suggesting that um, wherever possible, try and avoid the need to give feedback by answer, asking questions and more of them um, yeah. where the yeah, children are getting it, it right. No, no, I agree, I agree. But it, that's a really, I mean, that's almost a massive another show in itself <laughs> about feedback. But but where I would agree is that you know I see. I've seen I've seen lessons in the last couple of years when I've been coaching and watching people where you know they've they've done tests and then uh, quizzes whatever and you know it's been a very high success rate you know and then I've been speaking to that teacher and saying well look you know hardly any kids got any wrong and she was delighted with it um, and I was kind of saying to her yes but what they're learning if they're not getting anything wrong there's no mistakes there there's no kind of you're not it's too easy if you know what I mean however what you're saying is quite interesting because if, if the success rate is really low and they're getting loads wrong then that's just magnifying like you've just said 30 kids loads of wrong answers you haven't, you're not going to sit and go through all that and give everybody feedback and therefore what's the point of doing it in a way isn't it well we know that the corrective feedback is almost essential so we can all make the you know nice easy you know i'm not sure it's a christian yeah. still tip but it's a tip that's regularly out there look whatever quizzing you're doing um, and there are preferred models, then make sure that the corrective feedback is there. Um, yeah. You know, I would always advocate for free recall. So you've got to think about the answer rather than recognition recall along the lines of multiple choice questions. 
but whatever they if they get it wrong you know you need to provide the corrective the corrective feedback yeah. okay yeah. that's fine yeah you know you know as well as i do that's a really interesting point if your colleagues point was i needed to re-engage with this group of children i needed to get them back on board you know i needed to reaffirm their confidence so i created a quiz and i was expecting 90 percent pass rate then yeah, hats yeah. off to her yeah, if she yeah. was expecting a 60 or 70 pass um pass rate i'd say well we need to look at how you design your questions <laughs> because yeah um something was a was a miss you know yeah there, there was there was something amiss but I, I don't think it was probably it was probably not either of those actually but i think it was a bit of a disconnect with what the kids knew what mm. she thought they knew etc and she, her heart was in the right place and she also like you say there was some element of your first point in that she didn't want to she was trying to build a relationship with them she was struggling with them behavior wise so she wanted to make them feel a bit better um but it my point was it kind of <laughs> It wasn't helping because what you sure. talked about there with your students wanting to be challenged and wanting to be pushed that was the problem i felt because they because it was so easy they they'd lost some respect for her in a way that makes kind of sense no no um, of course it does not, course wishing it does. To, not wishing to dwell on that particular individual but it was an interesting one because i thought god i can't tell her to make it super hard because that's not going to help either um so so the goldilocks principle you know of a yes, sweet spot we, yes. we is a sweet spot but the sweet spot is very different for different type of children and i've done uh, i worked quite uh, extensively in the alternative provision at uh, cantel with some most amazing children but of course that sweet spot has to be a lot more accessible the failure rates have to be quite low because if you lose a you know a child who finds education really difficult certainly we did a lot of oracy rather than written answers but you know i'm happy to report we had children that could name 15 characters or at least their role within romeo and juliet we would put their name up and they would tell us what their um, position was and we would reveal the answer if it was correct so here are children outside of mainstream that have been asked to get on you know engage with romeo and juliet if i told you that the fastest respondent to 15 questions was sub 20 seconds even my colleagues found that hard to believe and you know I had a really good friend there harry that would come in and say come on come on show me once the children have learned this information and it's retained and it's accessible you know they want to show off their knowledge yeah, yeah. but you know i wouldn't necessarily advocate that though for a um, a top set english where you know the average grade is going to be an eight you know they're no, going to want something no. more, more challenging more. yeah of course yeah. and again it's horses for courses isn't it and it you know it's bananarama principle you know it, <laughs> yeah it's, it, it's all of this stuff you know it is everybody and that's what again we love about you know teach talk radio is that we're all the shows are very different the hosts are very different we've all got like you said a minute ago christian we've all got completely different backgrounds uh experiences schools areas of the country you know we, we could we could dissect it uh, you know completely differently but there are some core things coming out of this discussion which yeah. are common i think to a lot of people so let's try and veer it into a certain direction now because i'm concerned that uh, we run out of time and then you know i lose lose the chance to explore this further so let's try and now christian can we think about for the next sort of five minutes before I, before i let you go um some sort of your advice for practical solutions because i know a lot of our listeners um on the podcast afterwards sometimes will will sit and um you know listen and make notes about little tips they can get so just could you do that just for five minutes you know um absolutely summer, absolutely summarize? 
So let's just talk about two phases, introducing okay. quizzing and introducing knowledge and then obviously rehearsing knowledge. So right. th these are two different um, stages. So we're going back in next week. I would certainly start with quizzing and obviously you're writing questions uh, and you want to encourage success. So in terms of you've now defined, this is what I want the children to know by the end of six weeks and we're going to start introducing that content. Yeah. When you are introducing that content, one, breadth. Keep the breadth of rehearsal narrow. And I like to recommend reordering questions rather than introducing new ones. So if you're going to ask five questions and the pass rate, you know, the failure rate um, is, is too high, um, don't give them new questions, just reorder the same questions. And you'll be amazed at, you know, just reordering five questions, um, the difference that can make. So keep the breadth narrow. Keep the weight, the number of questions that you're going to ask fairly, um, uh, fairly small. Um, repeat the same questions, reorder the questions before you refresh questions. Right. With failure rates, keep the failure rates low. You know, Dr. Eglinton is saying, actually, you know, when you take into account the time that you spend having to feedback, yeah, um, yes. You know, crazy as it sounds, he recommends 90 percent, 90 to 95 percent. Wow, wow. All right. So certainly at the beginning, you know, you're going to have to help the children get to, to those answers. So you can cue them. You could give them the first letter. You yeah, could remind yeah. them. OK, um, we were talking about a play earlier on. It's a famous play. I'm sure you'll be familiar with it, Seb, around World War One, World War Two. Can you remember the name? The first letter begins with A. And I'm hoping you would then respond with Inspector Calls. Yeah. Okay. So failure rates, feedback, corrective feedback is absolutely important. You must get to the right answer. They must, they must generate a response. So even if they don't know, I'm going to insist that they provide an answer. So here's a question that I know that you'll know the answer to. Seb, what's the capital of France? Paris. Paris. Fantastic. What's the capital of Bulgaria? Oh, um, Sofia, is it? Fantastic. And what's the capital of Denmark? Copenhagen. Fantastic. So I know now I can start giving you some slightly harder play, um, harder questions. And I might go for something. What's the capital of Australia? Oh, Melbourne. Okay. And then you might say it begins and you might give them a prompt to help them get there because it's not Melbourne. But I don't mind at the moment because you've provided me with an answer. The child that says, I don't know. Yeah. It's really important that you say, come on, I need to make a stab at it. We don't we don't put in empty exam papers. We don't put in empty quiz papers. Right. Yeah. That's the whole yeah. thing about later on when they're in year 11. You know, there's a chance the guest might get a mark. You know how important an odd mark here or there is. Right. So they must write an answer yeah. with self-assessment. Self-assessment can annihilate your time, can take up all the time. Um, uh, I'm sure there's an article on it on Christian still, but .co.uk, the blog, but with with the assessment, just literally provide them with the answer. And if theirs matches your answer, they get two marks. If it says the same thing, I would never tell them. They'll say, sir, but is this right? Is this right? And I simply say, make a decision. So yeah. the two one zero marking scheme is brilliant. Two marks if it's correct and accurate. One mark if you got it was right. So for example, um, what's the color of Liverpool's away strip? Well, it could be a different answer, couldn't it? It could be it could be yellow, it could be white. It depends. 
Yeah. Okay. So what color is the yellow? What type of yellow, yellow? Because I looked this up for the hex code for you, see? <laughs> <laughs> Canary yellow, is it? Okay. So, uh, yeah. so, so therefore, if the child's written down, if the answer is canary yellow and you've written down yellow, how many marks are you going to give yourself? One. Brilliant. What would be the best answer? Canary yellow. And you would get? Two. Fantastic. You've understood the, you know, the scoring yeah. system already. And that's how I introduce it. So when we're getting yeah, down to particular. That's a good one. That's a good, because I've done, I've had that exact problem you're describing where I mentioned this earlier in the show, where I, when I do a peer quiz at the end of a topic and they are all, the class makes it together. Um, mm -hmm. But the biggest, biggest problem with that, that lesson when I've done it, even though it's a great lesson, the kids love it. It's impactful is that I waste so much time with that exact thing you've said of going well what about this what about you know and it's like 10 10 kids could have nine different answers all of which i would classify as your in your system it would be a one yeah not a not a two but you haven't got the time to to listen to every single one so I, I love that idea that's a really good tip i like that i'm going to use that one you're welcome. And then it's just a point about whether you collect those scores or not. Now, you yeah. know, you, I say to all the teachers I work with, that's down to you. You know, you might forego the first week or two because they're a little bit shy. And, you know, don't worry about the children inflating their own marks if they're recording it. But, you know, I don't, I don't record my daily quizzes, but every Thursday I take in a quiz score. Now, right. very quickly by week two, the kids want to tell me their scores. Yeah. You know, so... I'm saying to you, once you've created the right climate, they'll want to report their scores. And then the last one is on quiz expectancy. You know, they need to expect there's going to be a quiz. So um, it doesn't matter if it's at the beginning. I like it for the benefit of routine. Come in, there are five questions on the board, off you go. Yeah. And there's a particular routine that I use at the start. They write down the stem. They provide uh, what they think is the answer. And they have to answer all five questions and they have to provide an answer to all five questions because there's quite a bit of research about the importance of generating an answer, whether it's right or wrong. We go through and we mark it and then they add the required information to get two marks. They highlight that information. So anything that's really, really important, the information that they perhaps missed is the information that gets highlighted. It's what they right. need to learn. Yeah. So. Yeah. The quiz expectancy in the beginning is all about them building knowledge about, you know, we're doing this because it helps us retain and access information later. Okay, that's two of the five, three of the five minutes gone. When you're now into week three, week four, week five, and we're now retrieving information, of course, the breadth of your content can be a little bit wider because you're now relearning. Relearning is super, super efficient. It's about six or seven times more efficient than learning something for the first time. Yeah, so yeah. you can, in effect, start to set more questions, okay, from a wider breadth in the same amount of time. So we only do three minutes, all right? It's on the timer. Timer goes yeah. off on the board. In the first few weeks, it's five questions, and we might reorder. By the time I get to week three, week four, we're, we're doing probably 10 or 15 questions in the same amount of time. Yeah, so yeah. breadth gets wider, weight you can increase, or you can do three sets of five and refresh each time. So they get five, um, you do like five little rounds, okay? Yeah. And again, yeah, yeah. the rates can start to be a bit more challenging. You can start to remove the cues and you can start um, 
adding a little bit of your teacher personality to that. So in terms of feedback, you're expecting them to get at least one mark most of the time, if not two. Yeah, um, yeah. And you might say, uh, you might start to use how and why questions. That's interesting. Why did you say that? How do you know that? What evidence did you bring that? Because they're getting a lot more right. You're getting through the questions a lot quicker. So we can start to, it certainly start to elaborate and extend them. Yeah, Self-assessment, start awarding metacognitive accuracy. So week four, week five, introduce a forecast. Okay, I'm gonna ask you a question on year seven drama. I'm gonna ask you five questions. It's out of 10 because we use a two one mark scheme. How many are you going to get? So they now forecast what they think they're going to get. Most yeah, important yeah. thing is children know what they know and what they don't know so they can start allocating their time. So we start to do forecasting and, you know, if they forecast 10 and they end up with five, there's an issue, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then we start talking about how well they know themselves and then the quiz expectancy, you know, um, they're going to be into that model now. They know there's going to be a test. So they will be in your class earlier. They will be more attentive during the lesson and they tend to be more curious. Not my research. It's on the blog post for your listeners that I put up this morning about being on here tonight. You know, there's yeah. hard evidence to say that if you quiz and they expect to quiz, you know, there's an awful lot of benefits um, yeah. outside of the, you know, the knowledge and the learning. Um, you know, I don't think we can afford to overlook. No, I think a lot of what you said is, is bang on the money there because, you know, all, everything you've talked about today, which I think people need to really take out of this conversation, well, I certainly have anyway, is about time being a massive one, wasting time, you know, with unnecessary amounts of, of uh, feedback that's not actually going to go anywhere, um, which can easily happen to all of us. You can just lose 10 minutes like that. Um, efficiency, <laughs> cool. you know, efficiency. We're all in the same boat. Nobody can get any more time. It's impossible. Um efficiency of it and then like you say I love this idea of you know slowly building up from maybe some cues um starting letters or I've seen also that done with dual coding so uh, yes. a drama teacher I know she uses a lot of the the noun project so she'll put a picture up and that is the clue to something within the plot um, and then obviously eventually you want to obviously take that away um but I like this idea of you know them getting it right over and over and over again not not been a problem because obviously it's less taxing isn't it for us yep. but it's just constantly getting it getting it there isn't it you can't just do it once you know it's got to be at least what's it nuttle says three times at least to um to sort of start sticking isn't it fantastic i mean no no that you know you're spot on so the other area of research is katherine rawson so again if you want a very simple model you know expose them to it three times so when you're learning something for the first time do you remember the capital of france yeah what was it paris fantastic so now we've done two exposures maybe talk to your partner about the, the capital cities that we've looked at today that's your yeah, three yeah. exposures that happens very quickly that retention there that is so important at the initial exposure and then if you have three revisits or what yeah, we refer yeah. to as space learning so three plus three is kind of like your everybody says you know um, give me a gauge, how many times, how long should the spacing be? So it's not possible to do that. It depends on how much yeah. you're learning, what you're learning, when you need it. But a, a simple model is three plus three. Expose them three times at the initial outset, 
we visit three times and you you know you're into the high 80 percent that they'll yeah, have yeah. access to that information what later was, what was the name of that lady you just mentioned uh, yeah catherine rawson right, dr catherine rawson she works out of kent state university her area of expertise is successive relearning I have to look that up that's 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 of, of all the things you've said today that's that's one uh, name that's come up that i don't i've not heard of before so i'll definitely have to look that one up um that's fantastic well listen this has been absolutely super amazing it's really stretched me today um and and i love anything like that so that's i feel like i've got some good <laughs> tips i hope every everybody else has um just you know not just those tips you've given us there were great but also just thinking about the things you're saying and the way you're explaining it, the way we're approaching it as a profession um, has, has been really interesting and inspiring, actually. Um, oh, because, please. Because I, I, well, I know, but I honestly mean that because I think there's just so much out there. And, you know, the, the people you've mentioned, some of the names you mentioned, obviously they're big, big heroes of mine in terms of what I've read in the last 20 years. But there's a lot, a hell of a lot of people out there who've only been teaching less than five years. And, um, you know, I think, there's a lot of times where this is just so much and almost I, I don't know what you think but i almost feel as well if you've been doing it for a few years some of this stuff is easier to grasp than you know if you've only been teaching a couple of years and you're trying to get get your head around some of this stuff joe i don't know you might disagree but no 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 um, you're no you're right okay so if you are new to teaching i think the idea that you've got to go away and, and come up with these questions you know it's slightly unnecessary. You know, you've got a department um, in 10, 15 minutes, a department can quite easily put together a bank of questions that then become available for quizzing. Okay. So first of all, they're going to write those or design or think about those questions based on what the scheme asks the children yeah, to learn yeah, yeah. based on their experience and also they're going to have experience of the misconceptions and the bits they miss so you know i always say to departments get together write the questions collectively and then you need a way to share them now yeah. once they're available to you of course as a new teacher the routine is what brings you a little bit of uh, composure um, if the children are getting on quizzing's great for having independent focused kids of course, if you've got these questions at hand, Seb, you know, you know, we've all had it. A lesson's gone, you know, hasn't gone to plan and we want something to recover it or it's gone really well and we finished early. So yeah. popping up five questions, if you have them accessible and you can literally just pop them up on the screen, you know, you don't have to then conceive those questions. No. So, you know, the big thing I always say is, you know, define what it is that you want the children to know design the questions that get them to think about that and then of course it's about yeah. how you deliver them and the retrieval bit that's that's step three define the yeah. content yeah. design the question then worry about the retrieval no i agree and i, and I think you're that that idea there of you know getting a department together you could do like you say five questions you know five questions is plenty uh yeah. for each, you know you do that for a, a term you spend 10, 15 minutes doing it, that's done. And then you do that again at the start of every term, five, 10, 15 minutes. And then you you build up a bank then quite quickly, don't you? And I think, again, it's less is more. It's, it's the classic Mary Myatt thing. You know, again, you're talking about five questions, some of which, you know, they're all worth two points. So there's a maximum of 10. Keep it simple, you know, and, yep. and 
don't do too much because the second the test get the quiz or the test gets too long, like you said before, then it's tons of feedback you've got to go through and a wider variety, I guess, of marks. If it's only out of 10, the variety of marks is not going to be, the spread is not going to be as big, is it? As, as, yeah, you know, you're right, it. sir. But that's, that's what people have been saying about the lethal mutations for retrieval yeah. practice. You know, for me, the defining factor is time. Yeah. So, you know, I'd love to, you know, if you spoke to any of the children that we were teaching last year, you know, they'll talk about it's three minutes. They come in, the questions are up on the board. You know, the three minutes starts at 11 o'clock and it finishes at 11.03 and we're into marking. If you arrive at 11.01, you've got two minutes to answer the same five questions. You don't get any leeway, not in Mr. Still's class. You know, you know what time the lesson started. The questions are off on the board. You're just going to have to work harder. You know, life's yeah. not fair. It's not all sunshines and rainbows. I've said that a few times. Yeah. So point about it is, is the marking then only takes a minute because I simply reveal the answers. The questions are written. Click reveal. There they are. You mark them, you know, and I typically say, you know, how many of you got more than six? And if most of the hands go up, I hit refresh and I have a new five questions because most of the class got those. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I think also, no. and one more thing, just to uh, just before you go to anyone, you know, a, a list younger teachers or more novice based teachers, I would say is what you're talking about with routine is absolutely crucial because, you know, you could talk about behavior all you want, but ultimately routines are massively important. So I think with that, I would know because I'm starting at a new school in September. So I know for me, this is a real chance to refresh <laughs> you know, refresh a lot of my routines because I know long term, I don't want to be wasting time. So I'm thinking this first few weeks is going to be about routine, routine, routine. So I'm definitely going to be putting some sort of quizzing into that. Um, but then if I stick to it, I know that long term, they will get used to it. And then they will come in and just start doing it automatically. Um, yeah. Because that is what happens with kids, you see experienced teachers do it and people think, Oh, my God, how do you get them to do that? But it's like, well, you haven't seen the the, the six months that went before that. So I, I just would put that in as a final thing to anyone else listening in that all of these things are good time savers if you can stick to a routine and get it, you know, shared. Everybody knows what the drill is, like you say about lateness. You know, that's just another benefit of it, isn't it? Yeah, look, again, you know, when you're a new teacher and, you know, you forget that that teacher taught a brother, a sister, a cousin, you know, they've got recommendations. They've had lunch with these children. They've been on a, a trip. You know, they've got so much cashed investment in those children. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, you know, go easy on yourself if it's if it's year one, year two. Um, and if you are and, you know, you're teaching any of the, the texts that others in the department, uh, you know, are teaching, just get together and, and write, you know, no teacher is worth their salt when a new teacher comes in and says, could you help me write 10, 15 questions? will say no. And those no. 10, 15 questions, if you reuse them and you do them in little batches of five, they'll yeah. last you five, six lessons. You. Exactly. Yeah. And then you reorder them, like you say, that, especially okay. in a subject like mine where it's one hour a week, you know, 15 sure. questions, that, that's a year. I know that sounds dramatic, but no, it's it, not dramatic. It's 15 questions on a variety of different topics that we're going to cover over a year um reordered you know into small chunks of five and then maybe by the end of the year you know you do 10 whatever i think that would easily be enough for, for yeah. drama easily my only encouragement there said would be at the end of term one you know we call it the tough mudder you know they, they have a go at all 15 yeah and of course yeah. you're going to open pandora's box and pandora's box is time outside yeah. Yeah. of the lesson yeah. 
yeah. if you can make those questions available to the children outside the questions, there'll be somebody that wants to get 15 out of 15. Yeah, no, totally, totally. And then, like you say, we haven't touched upon this because we have run out of time. But the other massive implication of all of this is homework and uh, flip learning, all those kind of out of lesson activities that go on. Um, and I'm not going to talk about homework now, but for me, uh, my biggest, biggest passion about this is just short and sweet, just make homework uh, retrieval practice personally. That that would be my summary. But, you know, you can use this very, very easily, can't you? Well, look, I'm going to let you go, but I'm not going to let you go without mentioning your book. <laughs> I know that's not what we've come on to talk about. And I'm, I'm very impressed that you haven't even mentioned it. Um, but um, I, we really a miss of me for you to not at least mention your book, because I think it's it's not out yet, is it? It's not. It's when's it coming out? Christian? No, no. Uh, test enhanced learning uh, practical guide for successful outcomes for all pupils and it does hit all pupils yeah. comes out in December uh, I think Crown House have got it up um, uh, have got it up but you know like you said the main the main point here is if teachers have an interest in this especially if they're working with other teachers across the department um, we have a, a support we have support to enable them to share these questions so yeah look if you're interested in go by all means grab the book i'd be very very of appreciative course. and grateful but you know it's only an email away if people want to talk about no sure uh, um, well, about um, it. I'll, I'll pop your it's um at christian still um with a k isn't it i'll put that on the chat now um but and i'll put it on obviously to put it on the twitter page for teach talk radio if anyone's missed it and wants to see and you're listening to this as a podcast it will be on uh the twitter um and i'll put it in the chat and get in touch with Christian, um, and I'm sure he'd be more than happy to help. We really, absolutely amazing conversation. Thank you so much for your time. It's a it's a pleasure, Seb. The um, the bits that we covered today, Seb, I put up a, a post on Christian Still for the first part. The yeah, bits I was yeah. saving for tonight that we've discussed about that model. Yeah, um, yeah. I uh, I've actually just designed it, the the model, um, and yeah. I will put that up um maybe tonight if not tomorrow so and where's, they, where's that going to be on on your that'll, that'll go on christianstill.co.uk all right brilliant we'll have a look at that as well later that is absolutely brilliant listen i'm sorry to rush the end because i could have i could have carried on talking to you for a long time um but i'm i'm uh, aware that the show is going to end soon <laughs> and i'm only halfway through my a to z so i'm going to let you go but thanks so much for joining us today not a problem seb been a pleasure let me know yeah, if you need care. anything we'll do definitely well, take care see you later bye then. Right. Well, that was a very, very interesting conversation. I hope my listeners got a lot um, out of that. And if you're listening to it as a podcast, I'm sure you've been making lots of notes as well. Right. We are. I told you it was a monthly pack show um, and I didn't disappoint, did I? We, we are running out of time. So we're going to go straight to uh, the next section of our A to Z. Thank you to Christian. I'm really, really appreciative of him. Very intelligent guy. Knows what he's talking about. And he's got a lot of useful advice. So definitely um, one to keep in touch with. Um, right. So the A to Z, we got up to N. So N is for new, which is one I'm going to be particularly feeling this term uh, as a new member of staff, not a new teacher, but a new member of staff in a school. Uh, new also applies to colleagues. So I will be making hopefully a lot of new friends that will maybe stay with me for a long time, uh, hopefully. And uh, new students, new classes. Uh, my daughter, for example, going uh, well, going to a new school, going into year seven. There's lots of people starting primary school. New, new, new. O is for organisation. 
So I don't, that doesn't need any explanation. Uh, but if you can't get organized, you're not going to last. So if you're a very disorganized person uh, going into teaching, you might just want to step it up a bit. Uh, I know for me, I've had to massively sort that aspect of my uh, teaching out to become more successful. Organization, punctuality, um, it's a big one for all of us. Obviously, we have to be at work on time. It's not always possible. Uh, sometimes I get a puncture. Sometimes there's a traffic jam. Uh, but we need to be in time. But obviously, students, punctuality is a big one. I don't know how your school manages to deal with latecomers. I know everywhere does it slightly differently. But punctuality is a big one. Um, so I'm just turning my page. Um, questions. Obviously, this is Q is very easy, isn't it? Questions. That's how we live. We, I think I saw a stat the other day about how many questions a teacher asks in a lesson. I can't remember the number now. I'm sure somebody will help me out. But it's, it was way, way, I'm sure it was into the hundreds. Uh, rules is R. So as I just said there about routines, uh, which also could be the R, couldn't it? Routines and rules. Um, you could have rigor. You could have lots for R, I think. Uh, retrieval practice, retention. I mean, R is a popular one. But yeah, rules, uh, getting used to um, students, especially post-COVID. I think that was part of the problem, wasn't it? A lot of year eights. Uh, year sevens or or that kind of age that didn't really have that were in and out in and out of school and so it was difficult to get any sort of consistency I think with that uh, S is for stress um, so try not to get stressed make sure you do things which help you and I will have said this before on this show but I will say it again uh, for me personally the biggest uh, stress buster is exercise um, I am not a um, gym freak. I'm not a super, super active person. I will admit that. I love a Netflix. I love a chill out. But I know for me, the biggest, biggest one is if I'm stressed, um, a quick swim, a quick bike ride always does wonders for the stress. So I can't stress enough. <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, how exercise is a big one. Um, that leaves us just T to Z. So we'll have a little five minute break. Um, Christian uh, has replied to my question, which I threw out there. Thank you, Christian. You seem to be the font of knowledge today. He says uh, six million questions in a career and 400 questions in a day. I can believe that. And that's just at work. That's not even outside of work, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, that's a big number. So think how important questions are. Uh, thank you, Jeff. Jeff's liking the show. Uh, thank you to anyone else that's liked the show today. Junaid, uh, thank you to you. Um, I did have uh, Emmy from Nigeria. I don't know if Emmy's still listening in. Emmy, if you are, you want to call in, you can do that. Just click call in uh, and we can talk to you about whatever you want to talk to about on the podcast uh, or join us next time. Um, yes, uh, so we're kind of coming to the end, but we're not quite at the end yet. We've got another five, six minutes. So what have I got to uh, tie all this up together just basically by saying... Um, whatever your school is doing in terms of retrieval practice, whatever you are doing as an individual practitioner, I'm sure a lot of people are being asked to think about it or use it in some way. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to know uh, how much of it has become a big thing. It, I'm sure it's more than we imagine um, just, by the, just by the amount of publications, amount of books. It's like curriculum, isn't it? Curriculum as well, because of the Ofsted framework, Curriculum and, and retrieval practice, I think, the two biggest um, areas that people have been successful with writing books about. Um, and, you know, this is all based on 
recent-ish research, or some of it isn't. I mean, some of the stuff we've talked about on the show today, the Graham Nuttall stuff, uh, Dylan Williams stuff, John Hattie, think some of these are old. They're, they're not they're not done last week, but they're also not from the Victorian ages. So some of them are old, but some of them are, are, are good as well. So they're, they're worth, um, they're, they're, they're good, you know, good data to actually use to make us better at our job. Um, because we can always improve. We can always improve. Yeah, retrieval practice is 100 years old. Well, yes, it is. And also, uh, thanks to Christian there, um, you know, a lot of people just say, well, I've, I've always done a quiz. But I think it is, it's a lot more than that. I think it, to say it's just quizzing is, is to be to dumb it down. Um, but yes, I'm hoping that you've been found that show useful. I certainly have. I think the points Christian made about test enhanced learning and the benefits of it, I think we only scraped the surface, uh, the surface um, of that area. But it does go to show the nuance is so interesting, so challenging for all of us. Even that idea of just sitting with a colleague and making a quiz up and making five questions sounds simple but the thought going into that if you do that properly and you spend 10 or 15 minutes you look at the outcomes you look at the assessment uh, at the end of the topic you look what you want the kids to know and learn and understand that will define those questions and then it's a really good measure it's a really good way for you to feel you're having impact even if the kids they're not doing a big full exam or they're not doing a big performance in my case just getting a high success rate of, of regularity, especially with language and literacy and keywords. I think it's massive. It's so, so important. Um, and I think Christian did allude to that earlier on about knowledge and words and vocabulary uh, being building blocks um, because that is where our students don't get exposed um, to the words that they might need. And if they don't do it at some point, they're never going to know them, are they? Let's be honest. Um, which will be another whole show on literacy were we to go down there. Um, but we're not going to go down there. So I'm going to finish off with my final um, thoughts and my T to Z of back to school. I hope everyone has a great week um, whenever you are back, whether you're back officially this week or whether you've just got inset days, uh, training days to get yourself uh, warmed up. Um, before the kids come back or maybe you're in a school where students are already coming back um, I know obviously different countries I know Scotland and, and the north of England have slightly different timelines to the south um, but yeah wh wherever you are I'm sure most people are about to go back to work have a great um, first few weeks um, and I hope that you'll um, yeah you'll just uh, do your best which is all you can do and, and enjoy it try and enjoy it um, and, you know, work hard and, and change people's lives. Right. So the last uh, few of the these are quite good. I like these last few because um, these were letters that I would have struggled with if someone asked me to do this. So T is for thinking. Pretty straightforward. U is for understanding. Again, pretty obvious, really. Uh, you've got to understand stuff um, and also how you present your material. It's got to be done in a way that all different um abilities and ages can understand, which is where we get into scaffolding uh, and explicit instruction. Uh, value, um, if we're really, what your values are um, is big because we've all got different reasons for coming into teaching. We all may have different uh, leaderships and visions of different schools we're at, but I think ultimately I would hope that everybody's values are in a similar place about helping uh, young people get better life opportunities and social mobility. Uh, water, this is a good one for W, I think. Uh, water, massive, massive uh, 
massively important. Okay, you must drink more water because I think I was told this again in my PGC year and it and it never left me. And the amount of caffeine that a lot of us drink is insane uh, in schools, teas and coffees. So they, these, these can really have a negative effect as well if you're not also drinking the water. I know it sounds patronising, but again, the amount you're using your throat, your voice, this is your main tool. So you need to keep hydrated all times and also can stave off the hunger as well, which is another good point. Uh, X is for Xerox, um, which is the photocopying machines. Uh, we're all trying to reduce our um, paper usage, aren't we? We're all trying to get green. Um, I know there's an actual Teachers Talk Radio show on on how we become more green uh, coming up, I saw on the schedule. So, yeah, photocopying, try not to do too much of it, um, but also people might use it um, for resources. So that that's always a big one, especially when it breaks on a Monday morning. Uh, the why we've gone for on the secret teacher has put a yard, which I think we're referring to as the playground. Um, but yes, the yard, the happy, the playground should be a happy place, um, but not always um, always that happy for some students, is it? So keep an eye on them. Get yourself out there at break. Go and check that kids are okay. And Zed, and I think this is a fantastic one to end on today, is zonked. How tired are you going to feel? I know after a couple of inset days, we can feel tired, but how zonked are you going to feel after that first full week back? It takes a while. So don't worry if you feel exhausted and you think, I can't, I can't go back, I can't get up. You will. It's just like anything. You get rusty. That first week is a killer. Uh, and then you sort of zone back in, don't you? You do two or three weeks, then you start getting into the zone again. And you can feel the benefit of that big, big holiday that we've had really kicking in until we get down the other end of the term when you literally can't get your eyes open um, and you're exhausted and ready for October half term. So um, thank you to Christian again, not just for being on the show, but for all his contributions. He's also put in some links there. Um, his website, Christian Still, uh, I think it was .co.uk. Uh, you can go and check that out. Um, he has got a book coming out, like I say, at the end of the year. Certainly going to be one that I'll um, be checking out because he said some brilliant stuff today. Um, and also there's another link there to, uh, to Dr. Kathleen Rawson's website, uh, YouTube link. So I'm going to be looking at that because somehow I've managed to miss uh, this name in all my retrieval reading that I've done over the last few years. That's not a name that I recognise, but I might do when I actually look into it a bit further. Um, right, anyway, and that's it. We've done the A to Z. We've chatted about test-enhanced learning. We've had a great chat. Um, I hope you've all had a lovely bank holiday. If you're listening to this on the podcast, obviously give us a message on the Twitter uh, at Teach Talk Radio uh, or at my own personal uh, Twitter, which is at Tripitaka74. Um, let us know whether you enjoyed it um, or any more um any more things you want us to talk about in the future, but mostly have a lovely evening. Um, we've got a few days left, hopefully, of the holiday um, before we get back into it. So take care and um, I'll see you next time on Teachers Talk Radio. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.